0: Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. I'm Sonny Bunch, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Natalie Metzger to talk about the world of independent filmmaking. Uh, Natalie Metzger is a Spirit Award-nominated producer whose credits include Greener Grass, Thunder Road, The Robbery, and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Uh, Metzger is currently in post-production on Josh Rubin's horror comedy, Werewolves Within, uh, Jim Cummings' thriller, The Beta Test, and Sean Mullins' baseball documentary, It Ain't Over. Uh, her feature directing credits include AT&T original documentary, Alone in the Game, and healthcare documentary, Special Blood. Thanks for being on the show today, Natalie.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: I'm curious, from the perspective of a producer, how you get people to see movies right now because i i feel like we are in this total flood of content total flood of options the movie theaters are closed for the most part it's hard to get attention on anything how do you how do you guys get somebody to your movie
1: yeah i mean this is this is the tough thing that we <laughs> that we've had so many conversations about um i mean one thing that we were very lucky with is that we, um, you know, we're partnering with MGM's Orion. And so they, um, you know, put their, their might behind this movie, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing because of the pandemic, a lot of the films that were going to be releasing around this time in October um, ended up pushing to next year or the following year. And so it was kind of this like weird silver lining of the pandemic of, you know, all of a sudden there weren't a ton of, horror movies coming out in October to compete with us. And so, um, and because um, MGM's, you know, like other movies they were planning on releasing in October, a lot of them pushed, they were also able to give this film a lot of, you know, attention, which is kind of a really strange, um, you know, unique place to be in. Um, but yeah, I mean, we like focus on a lot of drive-in theaters, you know, was, uh, you know, to make, make sure that it was a safe safe environment for people to go to. Um, but, you know, a lot of theaters are starting to open back up. And so we were also in a lot of regular theaters too. Um, you know, we try to make sure to encourage people to, to wear masks and, you know, and, and all that stuff. But, um, but I think people were, you know, excited to, I I think, see movies in a theater and to like, kind of start the process of like going back in. And so, um, I was actually amazed at how many people that we knew across the country who actually went to a physical theater to see it um, you know, even though it was still, you know, available digitally as well.
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, it is, uh, it, 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 again, I, I, I write about movies for a living, right. And I am constantly kind of on my heels now trying to figure out what is coming out and when, and it really is, it's, it is, a. it, it, it has to be, I mean, it has to be a little bit frustrating for you guys to, you know, be like, look, go see our movie with, you know, but again, this is also kind of the world of independent filmmaking, right? I mean, Thunder Road, which I, which I immediately watched after seeing uh, this, I, I went to Amazon prime and threw it on. I was like, this, this is such an interesting, unique voice and director. I need to see what else he's done. Um, uh, You know, it was the same kind of fight, right. To get people to see it and get it, get, get eyeballs on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, with like Thunder Road, it was a very, very different, um, uh, Uh, scenario just because we were self-distributing. And so that was a whole, (laughs) a whole nother uh, uh, process for us to go through. I mean, Vanishing Angle had, had self-distributed a couple other films before, including um, Too Late, which um, we did a like 35 millimeter only um, theatrical release of. Um, And so you know, we had a lot of those connections um, to a lot of the theaters because of some of those previous um, releases that we had done. So when it came time to do Thunder Road, you know, we came out of South by Southwest winning the Grand Jury Award and we premiered at Cannes and um, we had all these great things under our belt and it just felt like some of the distribution offers we were receiving didn't quite match up with what we thought the film could do based off of, um, you know, just our, our passion and love for the film, and also what we were seeing audiences respond to at the festivals, um, and so we just made the decision to self distribute. And luckily, um, Sundance uh, offered us a creative distribution fellowship. Um, so essentially, they gave us a grant to put towards print and advertising in exchange for us giving them all the data of um, you know the sales and, and 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 all of our kind of process of self distribution that they released eventually as a case study. Um, and, you know, we saw a lot of success with that and we know that, you know, Jim and Jim's work, um, has, you know, an an appeal to a broader audience than I think, um, sometimes, um, people might expect from like, you know, oh, this is a festival darling, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, uh, people really love his work and I think really respond to it, you know, across the gamut, um, across demographics, um, ages, um, and, and so I think, uh, yeah, we saw it successful in, in Thunder Road. And that was really what allowed us to get the Wolf of Snow Hollow made, um, you know, with, with MGM's Orion, uh, they, they saw Thunder Road and like loved it. And they read this script. They were like, well, we have this werewolf script, you know, um, and, and they hopped on. And I think, um, you know, we definitely had to pare down what our initial release strategy was for The Wolf of Snow Hollow because of the pandemic, you know, we had to limit a lot of the theater, like, just the number of theaters that we were in, Um, and, uh, you know, and and it was a bummer to not be able to do, like, a red carpet premiere, and just, you know, all the kind of, like, fun stuff that's that's great, but we were still able to get it out into theaters, which is, you know, a feat, I feel like, in and of itself right now, and and their sponsors have been really, really great so far.
0: yeah, I, can we talk a little bit about the making and distribution of Thunder Road? because again, I find this to be a really fascinating kind of triumph, right? you You guys make this movie for two hundred grand. um you you it it does really well on the award circuit. and then the offers come in and they're not great, right? I mean, I think I read somewhere that the the foreign distribution rights for something like half of the budget, hundred thousand dollars, which you know is is nothing. It's not you can't you, you how are you supposed to make your money back? Uh, by selling your movie that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of the distribution offers that we got were, um, you know, either digital only releases or like day and date releases. And we just really felt like this film, um, could have a theatrical run in and of itself, you know, and, and do the kind of traditional kind of windowing. And so, um, and so that's what we did. You know, we, we decided to, to take that Sundance grant and we started in theaters and, um, we did i think it was just like 25 theaters around the country but we we were in theaters for i think it was like seven to nine weeks in america and then in france um you know we really used the premiere at Cannes to kind of launch um the like you know french French distribution we worked with a really great company called pan am and we were in um i think it was like 160 theaters across france um and we were there for like we like ran for nine weeks and so that started to kind of you know, theatrical run that we did. Um, we, you know, we used whatever big festival was in each foreign country and like did a premiere, you know, at that big festival and use that to kind of coordinate, a, you know, with a, a local distributor um, to, uh, and to build buzz within that that certain country. So we kind of like worked off of the foreign just piecemeal, um, you know, going territory by territory. Um, and then we knew, um, you know, if you, at the, at the time, Amazon was offering a deal called the Stars Program, where if you played in competition at Sundance or South by Southwest, you automatically got a $100,000 streaming deal through Amazon. And so, um, you know, we knew that we had that in the bag. And so it was like, okay, great, you know, eventually we'll be streaming on, you know, on Amazon, we, you know, we have this deal in place. So let's, you know, do as much as we can in the theatrical space um, and in TBOD to see, you um, you know, like, like what the responses are and, you know, and the film did very well and, um, and made his money back pretty, pretty quickly. Um, And I think, you know, we, like, we were able to give it the love and support that it needed, you know, like Jim cut the trailer and, you know, and we were very much, you know, involved in every single aspect, you know, like we were doing all the press we were doing all the, you know, all the marketing ourselves. And so I think we just like gave it all that kind of hands-on love um, that, you know, made it kind of have, have a little bit of a splash.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like, uh, again, just, just reading kind of about, you know, the, the release of that film, I I, I would not have watching while watching it. I would not have assumed it would be a huge hit in France, um, for instance, but like it, it works It plays. And, and I, uh, you know, um, you, you love to see something like that. And, and then again, now with Wolf Wolf of Snow Hollow, you guys aren't self-distributing this. You're doing it through, uh, through through MGM Orion, um, uh, what is the, what is the difference like there for you? Is it is it just is it frankly just like a little bit less work? You get somebody you have somebody you know uh, who who gets to handle all the phone calls and 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 distributor meetings and all that. I mean, I just what 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 are what are some of the benefits for you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know it's definitely uh, you know self distributing Th- Thunder Road was very much a like full time job for. Her. <laughs> many months for, you know, like the group of like the three of us that, that were kind of handling that. And so, um, you know, there's definitely a little bit less work, um, you know, working with the studio. They do handle, you know, a lot of that, but we're still very, very hands-on and, um, and, and that's what's been really great about the Orion team is that they, they've allowed us to be very hands-on, you know, like sometimes the studio can just be like, cool, we'll take it from here and just kind of like run with it. And you don't really know how they're going to market it or how it's going to be placed. Um, and they were very, very collaborative and allowed us to be um you know very involved. so we were giving very detailed notes on you know every single iteration of the poster um and they uh, they allowed our marketing division to cut the trailer and um and we were very involved in like the marketing aspect, you know assets like you know, like, oh, let's do the you know these set of gifts and and let's you know you know launch here and so they were they were very collaborative in that in that aspect, so we still were very involved um and it still was, you know, a good amount of work, but it's definitely a different. Um, uh, there's not as much pressure because you know that, like, the might of a studio is behind you. Whereas, you know, with like Thunder Road, it's like, this this is all on us. <laughs> we we yeah. have to really have it or else. Um, so, uh, I think it's it's a little bit less stressful, maybe. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, we were just very very lucky also that we had studio partners that were so collaborative too.
0: Yeah. In terms of, you know, trying to trying to market and and sell a movie like this in the kind of weird climate we're in right now, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm always curious how, again, how you get how you get the movie in front of people's eyeballs. I mean, is it is it an intense, you know, micro targeting on Facebook and Twitter and that sort of thing? Is it is it? Um, you know, reaching out to slash film or whatever, the, the movie blogs to say, hey, we've got this new thing. We'll, you know, do interviews. I mean, I'm always, I, again, I'm just, I'm very curious how, how you, how you build that audience uh, in, in, in this, this very weird moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a mix of, of of all those things. You know, it's it's definitely like reaching out to um, you know, to different press to, you know, to review the film or to interview Jim. Um, you know, and, and, and luckily we have a lot of those relationships. Um, you know, Jim has already either been been interviewed by by folks already for Thunder Road or has, you know, or or just has some some critics that are fans of his. Um, and so it's pretty easy to like go back to them and be like, hey, Jim, Jim's new, newest film is out. You know, do you want to review it? Do you want to look at it? Um, we were really lucky to be certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, which we're really grateful for, and you know, critics seem to be like responding really well to it as well as audiences. Um, but yeah, I mean, a ton of uh, a ton of you know, Facebook marketing. That's like, I mean, that that was really the key to honestly to Thunder Road. We did almost all of our marketing dollars were put towards Facebook ads, um, and you know, you know, with this one, uh, you know, it's like it's it's a little bit more spread out, um, and Orion was really you know overseeing that. But um, but yeah, I mean because, you know, people aren't out and about, it's not, you know, billboards and whatnot. It's a lot right. of, you know, digital marketing, essentially.
0: Yeah. Uh, the the production on uh, Snow Hollow, obviously, is a bigger production than, than Thunder Road. Um, and I, I'm curious, uh, you know, on your side, as the producer, you know, what, could you could you talk a little bit about going from a, a Slightly smaller to a still, I mean, still smallish, but much bigger, frankly. Uh, uh, you know, production. Um, in in terms of like what you have to juggle, what you're trying to to to, you know, get. 40 extras from here to there. I mean, I, 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 I think people don't understand what exactly it is that producers do. And I, 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 this is a thing that I always try to try to, you know, educate people on, like, you know, they are, they're the, they're the people who are making the the trains run on time. So what was, what was the, what was the biggest challenge? What was the hardest train to get into the, the station?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, uh, one thing that was really important to us is is maintaining the same vibe and and culture that we, we created on the set of Thunder Road for the Wolf of Snow Hollow, even though it was a bigger movie, of still maintaining that family atmosphere of like maintaining a culture of gratitude, of like having it feel like summer camp. Because when we made Thunder Road, we all went to Austin, Texas, and we were all like, you know, I mean, I was sleeping at the the mom's house of one of our other producers with the you know and the DP was staying there too and then like everyone else was staying at, at at our location. We, you know, had an Airbnb and everyone was staying at this house and people were like, you know, sharing beds and it was like, you know, multiple like you know people on couches and I mean it was very much just like <laughs> piling in and it felt like summer camp. You know, we like went there, we like we like we filmed this movie and it, it felt really wonderful. And so we wanted to maintain that even you know like like with a bigger movie. And I think that we were successful in doing that with Wolf of Snow Hollow where we did we um we found this like one bed and breakfast that also functioned as as our location for many of um of of the the main character's house. And um and and we stayed there too. And so um you know like <laughs> one of the producers was sleeping on the floor in my closet and you know the pro- you know one of the other producers and production designer were in bunk beds and some of the other actors you know were were in bunk beds or you know or, or like or, or on couches and, and i mean and and we also like kept it nice you know like we had a nice house you know for some of the actors to stay in and um but but we tried to create that kind of family atmosphere and it felt like winter camp you know i mean it felt like we were all out in the snow Together, you know, making this thing. When, um, one of our producers, Ben Wiesner, he like would cook dinner for all of us every single night, no matter when we wrapped. So we'd have like a ten to fifteen person family dinner. Um, you know, even if we wrapped at five a.m., we'd have it at like seven a.m. would be our would be our dinner. And so, um, yeah, so it like it honestly wasn't that much different from Thunder Road. Um, because of the nature of what the film is, it it requires a lot more, there's like stunts and a lot more people and a lot more locations. And so, um, you know, those things just naturally kind of like filled up that, that bigger budget, but we try to keep everything else kind of the same vibe.
0: Cool. That's really cool. I mean, I, I you know, it, it definitely, it has a, a very familiar feel to it with the actors kind of riffing on each other and their interactions with each other really it really it does it does have a a kind of familiar uh feel to it um i uh when i i i actually don't know when did when did you guys shoot this when was when was shooting on snow hollow
1: so we filmed, it was like February, March of 2019. Okay. Um, and we were in in Utah, like right outside of Park City, kind of up in the, the Colville, Camas area. So we were in a very rural part of Utah, which was beautiful and gorgeous, very, very cold. Um, the snow was honestly the biggest production challenge. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, there, were, there were some days where, uh, there was this one day where we had a location that was like at the top of a hill and the the road up the hill wasn't a paved road. And it happened to snow really, really heavily that day. And we had to get all the cop cars up to the top. And so it's like, um, and you know, we don't have the funds for like a picture vehicle coordinator. So it's right. like, the three producers are like, you know, one of them's inside, one of them's pushing and like, I'm like trying to like guide it from like the side of like making sure we can yeah. get these the cop cars up. So, um, you know, there are definitely some like production challenges mostly connected to, to the snow. Um, and, uh, and you know, in the cold, but, uh, But yeah, it was it was really really beautiful filming in Utah in the winter, Um, and we did get one day that we were able to go skiing. um, You know, just to be like, you know, we're seeing these beautiful slopes, (laughs) and we wanted to have this one day where we could.
0: Yeah, Uh, and then so you you shoot uh, about eighteen months ago, and then you spend the next. Uh, I don't know a year or so getting it ready. yeah, like that's 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 about right. and then so w- when was the what if if coronavirus had not happened, when would this movie have come out? do you think?
1: um I think I think we still we still would would have aimed for for October, you know okay. I mean it's a it, it, it's a horror movie. it does like really well around you know halloween time, October just seems to be kind of like a great a great time to release a horror film. um and so I think we would have still kept it the same. It just would have been, I think. Um, we would have done more theaters and, and pushed a little bit harder on on the theatrical um, side, whereas, you know, now we're we're kind of equally, you know, pushing for digital and theatrical, maybe even a little bit more digital.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm really uh, kind of fascinated by Jim Cummings and his—he's writer, director, and star. You don't see that a ton. That's uh, you know, uh, especially as as the budget keep you know is increasing a bit. He he uh, is kind of maintaining a lot of control here. I I, I'd be curious to get your take on um, working with him as the as the kind of creative force, uh, you know, guiding this thing to to reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jim is a creative force. That is <laughs> that is a great way to describe him. He, he has so much energy on set. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it. Uh, I've done nine short films with him so far. And then obviously the, the Thunder Road feature. And then we actually just shot a new movie November of last year that we're in post on right now um, for his third feature. So, um, you know, we, we've worked a lot together. He is one of those people that can juggle all of those things kind of, seamlessly and honestly it's so seamless that sometimes it can take people um by surprise especially actors because he'll walk on the set and he'll say okay great camera should be here we're gonna be moving around here and then he'll hop over and he'll hop into the character of like a young girl you know like, like let's say and then he'll like give all of her lines and he'll be like yeah and then she says blah 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 blah, blah. and then and then camera's gonna move gonna move over here and then it catches you know this guy and he'll give his line and then he'll like give the line and he can hop into all the different actor roles he, you know he has the entire script memorized and he's also like giving you know ca- like camera notes and saying and great and like the light's gonna turn on here and it's all happening like like so so fast. Um and so uh, you know, people will say after working with Jim, like, like you just have to be on because he's moving at a mile a minute and you kind of just have to keep up. Um, but he knows exactly what he wants. He rehearses so much beforehand, um, you know, w- with himself that mm-hmm. his his performance is is so down pat that um, you know, that really it's just uh we actually move pretty quickly when we shoot with him. Um, you know, because He doesn't take, you know, need that many takes, honestly. Um, And because he knows exactly what he wants, there's not a lot of, you know, like finding it. Um, But what's great is that he also does allow for, you know, improvisation and for like letting people, you know, play. Um, And so it's it's like really fun on set because uh, because there's these like these elements of play. And especially with, you know, like the longer takes that Jim does. Um, there's kind of these unexpected things that that happen, but because it's a longer take, it, you know, you don't just like cut and be like, okay, great, let's try to do that again and do it the way that we had said we were going to do it. It kind of allows for these like happy accidents where it's like, oh, this thing happened, but everyone's going to stay in it because it's this like long take and we don't want to ruin it. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. There's like this like heightened energy that almost feels like like more like a play sometimes um, where there's like that kind of live audience feel.
0: How how uh, many takes did that first that opening sequence of Thunder Road take? I'm curious because it it, it really is striking. I mean, it's it's a it's a gutsy move to open your feature with a a relatively unknown actor who is, you know, also directing and writing and just like push in on him for 12 minutes and push back a little bit. But like, that is a, that is a, that is a gutsy, gutsy move. And I'm curious, uh, you know, uh, how, how, how many takes that took? how, how, how did that go on set? How was that to watch?
1: Yeah. I mean, so that was our first day of shooting. That was day one. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I think it was, Somewhere around 12 to 14 takes. Um, and and we had split up the day. We weren't sure if we were gonna get the licensing for the song Thunder Road. And so we and so we decided that we were gonna spend the first half of the day shooting um, you know, with with the the song, and then the second half of the day shooting without the song, you know, just to have as a backup in case the licensing, you know, didn't work out. And so we spend, you know, the whole first half of the day. You know, it's like great. Jim's crying. It's like you know he's like giving that like really dramatic performance, and it's you know, and it's all good. We break for lunch. We start in you know on the second half of the day, and we get like four or five takes in, and um, to the version without the song. And all of us are 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 like we prefer this version. Like mm-hmm. like this version is the there was something that was so heartbreaking about watching this guy just struggle so much. And he, 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 he doesn't even have his, um, he doesn't even have the song to like buffer him. And so it it just made it feel more pathetic in a way. And so we, um and so we actually preferred the version without the song and we were talking about it. And, um, but, but at some point Jim was like, Jim was rehearsing in the back room of the church and everyone was kind of ready to go inside. And I went back there to check on him. And, um, and my, my younger sister had just been killed um, two months before we shot. And so I was in like a very emotional space, Jim and I are like, you know, brother and sister. And so he also knew what I was going through and like, and, and, um, and was very like mindful of that. And so this like eulogy scene was like really emotional for me Um, and like very cathartic as well, but I had gone into the back room to like check in on him and he's like pacing around and he turns to me and he says, I don't think, I don't think I can cry anymore. I don't, I think I've like, you know, he, he like felt like he had like kind of used up all, you know, all this emotion from like, you know, doing these 12 minute takes for, um, the first three quarters of the day. Um, and we just sat down with each other. And I just started crying. It was like the first time that I had like kind of released my like emotion um, about like, all you know, all like all the grief that I had been through. And he started crying. And it was like, you know, like, like one of these moments where we just like, kind of like, looked at each other. And we're like, this is this is it. This is the feeling. This is the grief. And, um and I ran back inside and was like, Okay, guys, he's ready to go. Like, let's roll everything. And so we just like, we like started rolling everything ju- like, just that we would be ready. And then he came out um, and just started just like launched into it. And, um, and that was the take that we ended up using.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, that's, I, that I don't want to say that's great, but that, you know, that, that's a, that's a really, that's a really uh, touching story. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I turned off, uh, I turned off the new movie and I turned on the old movie immediately and I haven't done that in a long time there it's, it's the it's the first time in a long time that's happened to me um, for a a, a a a relatively new filmmaker um and I am very curious in in terms of trying to make movies right now you know trying to get out there and and film anything how is that going from your perspective, from your from your point of view? I, I hear All sorts of stuff, you know. I hear big movies that are going back into production, and they've got five hundred people on set all the time. They're doing COVID tests every day. Obviously, that's not what you guys are doing. Um, But I also hear from folks who like can't get insurance, like they can't get their productions insured, and so they can't shoot anything. They just can't shoot, or they can't shoot with more than like three people, you know. Um, So I'm, I'm I'm curious, like where you guys are right now, just as a production company and as a producer, you know, in terms of trying to balance. A, keeping people safe, but also B, getting to to make your art.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been, you know, really tough. And we've been like weighing all of these different elements, you know, both, you know, like the financial, um, you know, ramifications and also just like the ethical r- ramifications of like asking people to work during this time and like putting people at risk and like, and you know, what does that all look like? And it's something that we've, we've discussed, like, endlessly it feels like um but yeah i mean our our kind of approach that we decided to take you know with with indie film there just isn't a lot of extra resources to you know to go to things that aren't in front of camera you know like things are already tight and you're already trying to like cut so many corners you know like like just be able to like make the film and to, and and to make it look good and to you know and we try to put as many resources as, as we can in front of camera and, you know, because of COVID and, and, and all the protocols that are like really necessary to keep everyone safe, the, the cost that those require to us doesn't really make sense for an indie film, you know, just because you're losing so much um, from what would be going in front of camera for um, commercials and like brand and content, you know, where like, you know, it's, it's easy to just like add, you know, add that COVID number on top. Um, we've been, you know, starting to, you know, to look into doing that, but, you know, for, for indie films, it's, it's, it's hard. And so, um, we had a film that was going to shoot November, December that we just pushed to January, February, just, you know, for it to be a little bit safer and to, you know, hopefully, you know, either the tests will be a little bit cheaper or like, you know, the protocols will be like a little bit, you know, you know, more in place to be able to do that. But, you know, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a really tough thing. And, and I've also heard stories from the gamut of, you know, I have producer friends, who have shot things and everything was fine. I've had producer friends who have shot things that really felt like it wasn't safe and felt very uncomfortable. I have producer friends who have had production shut down because someone, you know, tested positive. Um, and some that have, you know, done something and it's fine and there were no issues whatsoever. And so um, I think it kind of spans the spectrum. And I think we're still figuring out the best way to approach these protocols so that, you know, it is absolutely safe and that and that there's a little bit more of a system in place and an infrastructure to know how to budget, you know, out these additional costs.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just such a it's such a bummer. I mean, I like again, just as somebody who likes going to the movies and likes going to movie theaters, you know, uh where I live in Dallas, we they just shut down all of the Alamo Draft Houses. So it's like you can go see something at an AMC if you want, but there's nothing really to see. Or you could go see an old movie. It just it stinks, um, and I I can't imagine how frustrating it is for you guys because uh, you I, I mean just looking at your your bio, it looks like you are working all the time. I like you. It seems like you you kind of have a full plate all the time. And now you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were yeah, we were going to shoot um part of a docu series um that that was going to shoot in Australia and Germany and the UK. We were going to shoot that this spring and then we were going to shoot another feature in the summer. And like both of those have essentially like pushed to like, you know, s- sometime next year and um yeah, I mean, we like we definitely kind of had to hit pause But I mean, we were also extremely lucky. We shot a new movie um, that we partnered with the video game company Ubisoft on. Mm -hmm. Um, We we shot that this year um, in upstate New York from January 5th through March 10th. And so we wrapped like literally just days before the lockdown um, and got back to LA and got it all in the can. And then we were able to do almost all of post-production completely remotely. And that film, stayed on schedule we finished it exactly when we were you know expecting to um you know like you know a, like a little bit of a of a week here, here or there um and are now like you know doing the process of getting that film sold and you know out to festivals and you know and all that fun yeah. stuff but, um, Um, But so we were really lucky that like we had that film to kind of really keep us busy as well as we had five other projects in addition to that one in post-production this year. And so it just meant that we kind of like shifted to post for, for essentially 30 of this year. Um, You know, and post is really easy to do um, you know, like remotely. We we also just started doing um, an animated um, series. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to do the things that can be done remotely at this time. Um, but we've been also been very, very busy. And so, uh, yeah. haven't, you know, slowed down much. Um, it just, we've kind of focused on posts a little bit more than we you know, normally would. And, um, and are now just like prepping for productions for next year.
0: Sure. Well, with, with the, the stuff that you had to work on, uh, I believe what, what, what was the name of the Ubisoft? Is it the werewolves within werewolves within? Um, I I mean, that sounded pretty interesting. I, again, I was struck by werewolf comedy. I was like, okay, that, that, you know, that, that seems familiar. It could be, could be interesting and good. Uh, but the, the, uh, you know, with, with this kind of, you know, little bonanza of stuff to do in post right now. And with the, Um, you know, shut down in production at at like Netflix and Amazon and other places, as a producer and as a, as a, as a company, do you guys feel like you have an opportunity to um, cash in is the wrong word, but like, you know, make, make better deals with some of these streamers than you, you might've been able to otherwise.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I keep on hearing about this, like, this, like, rumor of, like, well, people are going to need content. So, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, there's this boon. But in the reality, we really haven't seen that. You know, like, I mean, Netflix has such a, you know, big, long, you know, list of things that were already in, like, post or, you know, were planned for production. And they've already started, you know, going back into production. And so, they really aren't seeing that, like you know, dire need for, for for new content in the way that I think you know people were you know were talking about. Um, and some of the you know the studios are feeling that that a little bit. But also because things are so up in the air, you know, at the moment of like when our theater is going to be like really back, like when our audience is going to feel comfortable, go, you know, going back, will theaters exist? Like all these kind of like bigger kind of existential things that that I think there's a little bit more of a hesitation to um you know, in like in in the approach to different projects. And so I think, um, you know, there is a need for for new content, and we are really lucky to have like a film that's like ready and done and ready to go during this time. Um, but it's it's not quite as dire as as, as people seem to think.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's interesting to hear because you do. I, I I do hear that a lot of times from not producers, from you know people who are just kind of industry analysts who say, well, you know, look, the Netflix is going to need stuff, and they've got all these, you know, companies should just kind of sit on stuff until until then. Um, so it's it's I think good and interesting to get that perspective as well. Well, look, I, I I am out of questions here. I what what should what do you want people to know about uh, uh, about your movies and about uh, the the world of independent filmmaking. I always like to ask my guests like what what would you what would you have me tell people if uh, if what what questions should I have asked that I did not ask?
1: <laughs> that's that's such a good question. Um, yeah, the world of of independent filmmaking. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I think, you know, like filmmaking is definitely uh, here to stay, like, I think, you know, I've been amazed at how creative people have gotten with, um, with like approaching the pandemic and how, and how to shoot. I mean, I have friends who are shooting, they're like actors and, you know, they have their DP and their gaffer zooming, you know, like with them and they're setting up their own camera and like, you know, like the DP and the gaffer just like telling them where to put the lights and where to put everything, how, you know, how to work the camera and they're shooting it all. Them, you know, themselves, and mm-hmm. um, and then there are like other productions who are like, great, you know, how do we make this thing animated? How do we, you know, uh, uh, you know, approach this in like a new, a new way? And so I think there's actually a lot of creativity happening that, like, like we're really excited to see. And with like a lot of the filmmakers that that, that we're working with, like we're already discussing all these like new, um, you know, approaches of like, well, how, how like, how do we use this current time as like a shakeup? to how we're thinking. We never want to get in the same rut of, um, oh, well, this is how it's always been done. So this is how it should be. Um, We think that that's like a really dangerous way to think. And so, um, you know, like with this one, uh, with, with like this current situation, we're really trying to say like, okay, great. Like what were some of the things that we were just kind of doing because that's the way that we've always done them that maybe could be rethought. And I think, you know, in terms of the industry, it seems like that's going to you know hopefully happen you know across the board of like okay you know like well what well, with the existing technologies how can we you know approach this this job differently how can we approach um you know how how we were scheduling this differently one of the things that we're really excited about is um is shorter production days which which we feel like should be the standard across the board you know like when you're shooting 12 hour days it actually means that you're actually working you know, 14 hours a day or for the producers, like 16 hours a day. Um, And, you know, with like all the research that's coming out around like sleep, you know, like it's, it's like really clear that that's actually not the best and safest way to like, to make anything or to be creative. And so, um, and so we think that, you know, this is actually like a, like a really exciting time to like really look at that. It was actually one of the things that we did with the Wolf of Snow Hollow. We limited our, our shooting days to 11 hour days, um, specifically because we were shooting really far outside of Salt Lake City. We knew that the crew was going to be driving 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and we wanted to be be mindful of that. We wanted people to be safe on the roads. Um, and so if we were able to do that with like the limited budget, you know, that we had and, and just like committed to this is what we're going to do, um, that, you know, it seems like, many productions can, can start approaching it that way. And so just creating a, you know, a safer place and a a more, um, vibrantly creative space, um, you know, for people because they're getting enough sleep. So, you know, trying to aim for, you know, these 10 hour days or 11 hour days, um, I think will maybe be a good thing that comes out of the pandemic. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate that. Cheers to safer days on movie sets. I know working a 12, 16 hour day, that's no fun. Nobody wants to do that. Um, uh, I will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. Please subscribe, leave a review, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, thanks again for, for joining me, Natalie.
1: Thank you for having me.